Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. First of all, there's a lot going on. Looks like a Russian front group, a gang, attacked one of our uh, oil pipeline systems that affects the East Coast. So all the Russia files on TV and radio and in Congress and so forth that say, oh, Putin's okay, it's not a big deal. These are uh, ideologues. These are neoliberal ideologues. It's not that we won a war with Russia. It's that Russia has really excelled at cyber warfare, and they are very effective at attacking us. We can get into that later. Now, in the Middle East, you're hearing information about what's going on, and you might have a war in the Middle East soon. And uh, the Biden administration is utterly incapable of handling this, telling both sides to calm down like there's... You know, uh, like both sides are at fault. Very, very little thumbnail sketch on history here. As you know, and I've talked about it before, the court system in Israel, particularly the Supreme Court, is extremely liberal. It is very, very left-wing. Even worse than our own Supreme Court. And there were families, Jewish families, that wanted to get their property back. My memory is about four. In, uh, in Jerusalem, 
Because what happened is in the 19, in 1948 during the war, the, uh, the Palestinians, Jordanians slash, grabbed a lot of these properties that belonged to the Jews. And these are properties that belong to Jews over a course of period, oh, I'd say a couple thousand years. And so here we are, 2021. Well, they want their homes back. So it was a very long process, a very long judicial process. And ultimately the court ruled those are their homes, that they get to have their homes back. So the way this is being spun by the international media, and if you've read on Freedom of the Press, you know how the New York Slimes and the rest of them are. It's that the, the Israeli Jews and the Netanyahu government are trying to take property away from the Palestinians. Then you had some kind of a riot at the, uh, the uh, Al-Ask Mosque and the Israeli police, because Israel's in charge of security there, had to go in and try and and tamp it down, which they did. And so now it's been used as an excuse by Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and others to fire hundreds and hundreds of missiles at Israel, including Jerusalem, and to riot in Jerusalem. Again, thumbnail sketch. And uh, several hundred people have been injured. Some have been killed. And as I speak, the Israelis are responding with drones and with uh, jets on the Gaza Strip. And so the anti-Semites are coming out, both in the United States and overseas. And that's what's taking place. The Biden administration is doing great damage to the situation by doing what the Democrat left and the media always do in this country which is pretending that it's, it's a matter of relativism. That is, both sides are at fault. If only the Israelis would be bargaining about Judea and Samaria, a.k.a. from their perspective, the West Bank. If only they wouldn't build in Jewish areas that have always been Jewish areas, that this is somehow provocative. And so this is what you're seeing and hearing. And it's important that you go on the Internet and actually do a little bit of research on these things because the media is horrendous. Excuse me. They are horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I'll bet very few of you even knew about the legal situation that I just spoke about. I just watched the coverage on my uh, favorite cable network, and the gentleman in Israel, I'm not a particularly big fan of, uh, I suppose that's why the Palestinians and even Hamas and the Gaza, Gaza Strip give him access, uh, he never said a word about that court decision. Not a word. And so um, that's what's taking place. And this is exactly what Hamas and Abbas and the rest of them do. They try and take advantage and exploit these situations. Our media give them a great assist. And they know that the Biden administration will not be the Trump administration. So we'll keep a close eye on this as it changes hourly. But I wanted you up front to know about this. And of course you have to imagine the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran has its hands behind this. Or if it doesn't, it certainly will. Just a matter of time to try and exploit it. 
And now you'll see what Joe Biden's really made up and the, and the goons that he appointed his administration. The European Union, the rest of them. You'll see it's not going to be very pretty. But some of the Israeli people themselves haven't done themselves any good either. You've got a lot of conniving and backstabbing going on. Like by a man by the name of Naftali Bennett and Sa'ar, another one. These are former Likud members, former members of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's cabinet. And when Bennett ran, he ran to the right of Netanyahu, and he said he would never join a, a liberal, left-of-center government. And he's negotiating not just with a left-of-center, but hard leftist parties. We're trying to cobble together enough, enough uh, Knesset seats, if you will, to take out Netanyahu. And they're on the precipice of doing exactly that. So who would you want as prime minister facing down what's taking place now, facing down the Iranians and facing down Iran's best friend, Joe Biden? Who would you want? Would you want some backstabbing greenie like uh, Naftali Bennett? Or would you want a guy who's been facing them down for over a decade? And so the Israeli system and many of the Israeli people, not a majority, by the way, but too many, are undermining themselves in this situation. So that's a thumbnail sketch. Mike, why do we care? It's 7,000 We care because these things have a tendency to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we care on this program because we care about the state of Israel on this program. But right now I want to get back to the state of the United States, which is disastrous under the current regime. It is a disaster under the current regime. I don't have enough time to get into this. We will get into this a lot more. There's a lot to cover. Lots going on over the weekend, plus things I want to talk about. And by the way, I want to thank you. You watched so many of you, Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, or you watched it on your DVR. Uh, I hope you all had a wonderful Mother's Day. And um, I just want to thank you. You're the best audience anybody could possibly have. And uh, I, I mean that. American Marxism has been number one on Amazon since Life, Liberty, and Levin aired last night. There's a lot of competition there. Now, the difference is my book is being pre-ordered. Their books are, have been released. But we've got to make this counter-revolution work. We've got to make it. I've been thinking about it all weekend, what we're going to do and what we have to do. We've got to make it work. We've got to do what we did during the Tea Party Revolution and in our other revolutions here. And we will. Except unlike them, we won't be violent. Did you see that man who was beaten to a pulp in Portland? Slightly handicapped gentleman. He's a handyman. They blocked off his road to get home. He got out of the car. He yelled at them to get out of the way. They literally pulled weapons. It's still light out. Still light out. They pulled out weapons. This is Antifa and Black Lives Matter. He pulled his weapon out. They wrestled him to the ground. They knocked the gun out of his hand, and they beat him to a pulp, multiple broken bones. And there was a police officer there who did literally nothing. And I'll tell you what's going on here. It's very simple. Even those of us with weapons, with carry permits, when we're attacked, we're afraid to shoot. Because it's obvious you'll be 
prosecuted for murder, you'll be prosecuted for assault, you'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, the feds will come in over top, charge you with some kind of uh, other offense, some civil rights offense. In other words, you really do not have the right to defend yourself in this country. You saw the couple in St. Louis, this gentleman in Portland, you don't have the right to defend yourself because of the way the prosecution and the way the uh, investigations are going now. And one of the things I want to talk about when we come back, man, I'm loaded. No, not with booze, I don't drink, you know what I mean, I'm loaded. Is the way the men and women who've been rounded up by the Department of Justice based on this January 6th event, the way they are being treated, it is horrific. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, Morton Klein is Mark Klein's really top of the top of the hill, and he put out a statement over there at ZOA, and he says on their multiple official and private Facebook sites and media outlets, the PA dictator Mahmoud Abbas, that's Palestinian Authority, his Fatah movement and quote all its Fatah elements and leadership unquote widely publicized their communique directing every Arab to continue the uprising and raise the level of the confrontation this communique was prefaced with Quranic verses in an attempt to incite an Islamic holy war against innocent Jews Abbas and Fatah's communique also called Jews living in Judea and Samaria terrorists called the democratic Israeli government fascist, and called for demonstrations at international sites. Furthermore, as documented, the day after Arab terrorists shot and murdered an Israeli teenager and wounded two other Israeli teenagers, Abbas's Fatah movement widely broadcast a video message urging Arab Jerusalem residents to perpetrate more bloodshed against the Jews. The video quoted from an Arab song, O Self-Sacrificing Fighter, May your bullet hit their targets. Can you imagine if Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu set out such a demand to Israeli Jews? Netanyahu would be roundly condemned. Yet the world is silent about Abbas's provocations. Is there Arab Muslim privilege or is it just Jew hatred? In addition, senior Hamas official Fatah Hamad tweeted, People of Jerusalem, we want you to cut off the heads of the Jews with knives. With your hand, cut their artery from here. 
A knife costs five shekels. Buy a knife, sharpen it, put it here, and cut, just cut off their heads. It costs just five shekels. With those five shekels, you will humiliate the Jewish state. You shall find the strongest in enmity towards the believers to be the Jews and the polytheists. The Jews have spread corruption, have acted with arrogance, and their moment of reckoning has come. The moment of their destruction at your hands has arrived. Sounds like Nazis, doesn't it? But again, the world is silent or blames the Jews, victims of Arab violence. Is this Arab-Muslim privilege? And so they also criticize U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who is a slimeball, for misleadingly expressing, quote, serious concerns about planned evictions of Palestinians from their homes in Jerusalem. Now here are the facts. A little bit more detail. Centuries ago, Jews bought all the land in Sheikh Jarrah area and named the area after Simon Sadiq, Simon the Just. This was a Jewish neighborhood until 1948, even though the Arabs constantly attacked the, the uh, innocent Jews who legally lived there. But in 1948, Jordan illegally captured the area and banned the Jews from living in this formerly Jewish neighborhood. Jordan gave Arabs leases to these Jewish homes, and the area became a, uh, an Arab neighborhood living on legally owned Jewish land. In the 1967 defensive war, Israel recaptured the area, and the Jewish owners legally reclaimed their homes, which were stolen 19 years earlier. The matter went to court, and the court said the Jews were the legal owners. Nevertheless, in an extraordinary concession, it was agreed that the Arabs could remain as lessees if they paid a fair rent to the Jewish owners. Well, the Arabs never paid, and this became a legal issue for half a century. In addition, some Arabs entered the homes as squatters, and leases expired. Finally, a recent court decision stated if the Arabs refused to pay rent or squatters, or their leases had long ago expired, they could be evicted, just as any renter, squatter, or holdover anywhere in the world who refuses to pay rent for years can be legally evicted. So this legal eviction notice was the phony pretext for the recent violence you're seeing that the Arabs have launched against the Jews and Jerusalem. So that's what's going on. None of this, of course, was explained by the even the guy at Fox reporting from the Middle East or anybody else on American television. It's a disgusting disgrace. I mean, you sit home and you listen to this stuff and you say, well, what's going on here with the constant fight? Now you know. Now you know what's going on. I only have a minute. When we return... There's a very, very important story that was done, Just the News, which is an outstanding site founded by John Solomon. They have great reporters there, including my buddy David Brody. And the headline is, D.C. Jail Treatment of Capital Riot Defendants Draws Bipartisan Outrage. Ladies and gentlemen, these people are being abused. Their civil rights are being violated. They're purposely being put in under awful conditions. Now compare that to what went on in New York, in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in Philadelphia. Nobody's talking about this, but we shall as soon as I return. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. 
And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. All right, from Just the News, a short drive from the U.S. Capitol, 1,500 inmates are stuck in their jail cells 22 hours a day. Until last month, it was 23 hours a day, and they were also barred from going outside. A smaller group of inmates may have it even worse. Those awaiting trial for alleged crimes in the January 6th Capitol riot. They've been placed in restrictive housing, a maximum security designation. The plight of nearby inmates has received surprisingly little attention on Capitol Hill for the better part of a year. Since the District of Columbia Department of Corrections issued its medical stay-in-place policies for COVID-19. That only changed in late April, and it flipped the partisan script. Representative James Comer, ranking Republican on the House Oversight Committee, demanded better treatment for the inmate population at large. While Democratic Senators Elizabeth Warren and Dick Durbin spoke up for inmates accused of insurrection to keep Donald Trump in office. This is how bad the conditions are. The issue could complicate D.C.'s bid for statehood. D.C.'s house is not in order, and the solution is not to grant it even more authority through statehood, Comer said. Representative Clay Higgins, Republican Louisiana, also cited the Washington Post report in an April 22 floor speech against D.C. statehood, alleging the city has been essentially torturing inmates for more than a year. That is ultimately a violation of the Eighth Amendment, he said. Is this what we can expect from a D.C. state? The January 6th defendants are being held in pretrial detention on charges ranging from knowingly entering or remaining in restricted grounds without authority to conspiracy, assault, and obstruction of an official proceeding. Oh, my Lord, ladies and gentlemen. What the hell do they think's been going on all over this country, by the way? Asked about December 6th defendants specifically, Congressman Comer's office provided just the news a statement. He said reports that January 6th defendants who've been charged but not yet convicted of a crime, are receiving even harsher treatment. That is, the people who've been convicted of serious crimes is equally appalling. A Department of Corrections spokesperson did not answer email questions and declined to speak on the record in a phone interview. A lawyer for January 6th defendants told Politico that lawmakers should contact him if they were concerned about the inmates' treatment. Marty Tankliff, himself exonerated after decades in prison for a wrongful murder conviction, told Just the News no one has contacted him nearly three weeks later. His clients include Ryan Samsel, who alleges a prison guard beat him so badly he suffered permanent eye damage 
and Edward Jacob Lang, an observant Jew who claims guards disparaged him as a false prophet as he prayed for other inmates. In a March order denying a defendant's removal from restrictive housing, this one really bothers me. U.S. District Judge Royce Lambert, who I've only known for 40 years, said the D.C. Attorney General had placed all January 6th defendants in such housing, quote, for their own safety and safety of the jail, Politico reported. Solitary confinement is a form of punishment that is cruel and psychologically damaging. Senator Warren told Politico. And she fears the January 6th defendants are being singled out for punishment so they can break them, so they will cooperate with federal prosecutors. Why is it Warren, Elizabeth Warren, who's making these points? Where is everybody? And what is John, uh, Royce Lambert doing, for God's sakes? I know him to be a good man. Durbin was surprised to learn about the restrictive housing. It should be a rare exception with a clear justification. To be used in very limited circumstances, he said. Anybody here, McConnell? Liz Cheney? Adam Kingsinger? Anybody here from those three stooges? Staffer Durbin, who chairs the Senate Judiciary Committee, and Warren, a member of the Senate Democratic leadership, did not respond to queries. Neither did leaders of the House Judiciary and Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committees. Eleanor Holmes Norton, the D.C. delegate, she refused to answer. They're all refusing to answer. You want to know why? These people are being abused. Abused. Just the News could not find a definition of restrictive housing except for a DOC policy, Department of Corrections. Last reviewed in August 2019, it calls single occupancy with no other restrictions listed. It's reserved for inmates who are sexual predators engaged in assault of behavior are unlikely to be or are likely to be exploited or victimized or of any other documented special need. Now the lawyer who represents some of these defendants, Tankleff, and fellow lawyer Steve Metcalf, who share a New York practice, told Just the News their January 6 clients have been placed in two forms of 23-hour solitary confinement. One is in the box, where inmates are sent for disciplinary infractions, they said. They characterized the other administrative segregation as non-punitive in name only. Tankleff said the clients weren't given notice or the opportunity to challenge the designation, which is also unusual. And the lawyers have faced hurdles, starting with actually meeting their clients. A contact visit requires an inmate to quarantine after... Afterward, for a minimum of 14 days in a space that includes new inmates. It's not the safest place for staying COVID-free, Metcalf said. Already goes on. Ladies and gentlemen, these people haven't been convicted of a damn thing. Not one of them is charged with a gun violation. Because they didn't have any weapons. It is obvious to me that the treatment they're now receiving is politically based. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be arraigned and so forth. I'm saying this treatment that I'm reading to you here, the way, be, the, the way they're being treated, Elizabeth Warren actually has it right. And they're trying to get them to plead the things they didn't do. That's one of the reasons they put people in conditions like this. 
But this is the United States of America. This is going on in Washington, D.C. You don't hear a damn thing about it but for this article. No investigative reporters from the New York Slimes. CBS, NBC, ABC. And Washington, D.C. is crawling with cockroaches. I mean reporters. Where's Chuck Todd, that clown? Where's George Stephanopoulos, that fool? Where are any of them? The Department of Corrections has faced scrutiny for strict jail conditions going back to the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, but especially in the past month. D.C. is an outlier among jail systems, even its own backyard, reported the Post. Inmates in Montgomery County get two and a half hours outside of their cells, three hours in Prince George's County. While officials said the 23-hour lockdowns had largely stopped the spread of COVID, Congressman Comer seized on the psychological and physical harms the policy would reportedly cause. You have people who have been hunted down by the FBI all over the country. If they see you in a video and a picture, even if you're not in the building, if you're on the steps of the building, they're taking these people into custody, and we never hear from them. We don't hear from them. Unbelievable. Meanwhile, in Portland, Oregon, you have case after case of assault and brutality, people carrying weapons, Molotov cocktails run at a federal courthouse, interfering with their business there. There's obvious disparate treatment. There's no question about it. I just hope some governmental official who can hear my voice, whomever they are, wherever they are, will take up this cause. I understand that it's unpopular. I understand they're trying to destroy anyone and everybody who ever supported Donald Trump and Donald Trump. I understand that's why they're parading out in Kingsinger and Liz Cheney and their ilk on their shoulders from one television studio to another. I get it. But this is unacceptable in the United States of America. Simply unacceptable. Some of these people are being accused of trespass and nothing more, which is a misdemeanor. And some of them didn't even trespass, and they're being accused of trespass. Some of them have had the book thrown at them on charges that simply cannot be supported and will not be supported. So they in particular are being brutalized to try and get them to plead to something they know they can never get in a court of law. They're throwing all the resources they have at the federal government at this event. All the resources they have. Meanwhile, federal law enforcement that was trying to take back the courthouse in Portland, they were called stormtroopers by two of the three top Democrats in the House of Representatives. People are literally being beaten to a pulp. Police officers are actually being attacked again. And you hear not a damn thing about their prosecutions and their imprisonments. All you hear about is, oh, white supremacy. I'll be right back. Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? 
Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You know, the Democrats have been importing illegal aliens for a long time now because they said Americans won't do certain jobs and the illegal aliens will do jobs Americans won't do. Now, of course, they're importing illegal aliens and uh, they're also handing Americans checks not to work. And Biden today says, of course, Americans want to work. We're going to spend some time on this next hour because what Biden is doing again is destroying the workforce, destroying our financial system undermining our economic system because he's an idiot. Every time someone correctly states that one of these big tech tyrants is censoring conservatives, the media downplayed and act like we're making it up. So what are they saying now that Facebook's quote-unquote independent oversight board upheld a ban on Donald Trump, was the president of the United States at the time, by the way? Well, they love it. They'd like to see these companies censor conservatives more. You see Joe Biden's getting 71% approval across the country for the vaccines, Mr. Producer. This is what happens when you have a media that lie and you have a president who lies and they lie together and there's no counter on these programs. Now you're seeing something interesting happen in some states and that is litigation against critical race theory, which we congratulate But you're also seeing other things take place in some cities, and that is the expansion of critical race theory. So let me just tell you, what we're having here now is a segregated educational system in our public schools. By segregated, I don't even mean by race, segregated by ideology. And I wanted to briefly touch on something that we'll discuss more, certainly, in two months or so. Have you ever heard of Herbert Marcuse? We'll be talking about him in the next few months at some length. Herbert Marcuse was an avowed and extreme Marxist. He was born in Germany. And um, he was part of a group of Marxists. And he could never accept the fact. He could never accept the fact that the, the Third Reich Nazis succeeded where the Marxists did not. Now, what do I mean by that? He thought there would be this great proletariat uprising with the fall of the democratically elected government. And instead, there wasn't a great proletariat uprising. And he had trouble understanding, he had trouble explaining it. The fascists had won the day, not the Marxists. By the way, imagine the insanity 
So we had to figure out what, what is going on here. So he and this group he belonged to, so-called Franklin group, we'll call it for our purposes tonight. He's credited with hatching the critical theory ideology. So critical theory ideology didn't start with race. These critical theory-based movements were launched in America. Why were they launched in America? Because he escaped Germany and came to the United States. Much like Omar. As a refugee, she comes to the United States, hates America. She's a Marxist, and she pushes her radical left agenda. Well, Marcuse, unfortunately, was 100 times smarter than her, and he formed this critical theory movements and launched it in America particularly in the 1960s. So he's part of this Franklin School of Political Theorists. So this is all in the book, American Marxism. And so he's best known for attempting to explain why the so-called proletariat workers in the United States and elsewhere have not risen up to overthrow the capitalist system of the ruling bourgeoisie. And again, we'll get into this more later. Do you want to know his main argument? Do you want to know the main reason he said you folks didn't rise up and overthrow your own country? Because he said America is just too tolerant. I know you're scratching your head, shaking. What does that mean? America uses tolerance to repress the population, he said in 1965. And so the dominant culture, the dominant culture uses tolerance that's not really tolerance, it's really repressive. It'll accept protest. It'll accept disagreement. It'll accept lawsuits challenging the institutions. But it won't ultimately accept the overthrow of these institutions, the overthrow of the government, the overthrow of the country. And so what it does is it creates this notion of tolerance. We're the most tolerant society on the face of the earth in order to oppress Minorities, in order to oppress people with minority views, in order to oppress the poor, and in order to oppress the proletariat. And you see, the proletariat and the poor and the rest, they're just too stupid to understand what's happening to them. It needs to be explained to them that this isn't really tolerance. You're being subservient. You just don't know it yet. He talked about the systematic moronization of children. Now, one of the things I've learned all these years, but particularly in research on this book, is how these phony academics make up words. They make them up. They try to coin them. They try to be clever. And instead, they sound sophomoric and verbose. So we're tolerance toward that which is evil, that which is repressive. And so this developed into a legal theory, critical legal theory. And to jump to today, really in the 1970s, it developed into what they call critical race theory. That is that this white society pretends to want equality, pretends to want a colorblind society. The entire civil rights movement was a ruse. Martin Luther King was a fraud, colorblind society. And this very short thumbnail sketch is how critical race theory began. We'll discuss this at great length so we understand exactly what we're dealing with. This is an American Marxism. 
I want to strongly encourage you, Levinites and your patriots, please pre-order today if you haven't. You can go to Amazon or any other place and order your copies now. Remember, we are silent no longer. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Thanks to you, folks. I'm winning the book derby, not the Kentucky derby. The book derby. I'm a neck ahead of uh, Oprah Winfrey. She's right on my heels. Because she has everybody in the world supporting her. You know, Mr. Producer, I've never taken an illegal drug in my life. Not even marijuana. They could test me till they're blue in the face. And as for this horse, can we even wait till the final adjudication of this thing? People are speculating. Let's just wait till the final adjudication. Apparently, there have been issues raised before. They didn't pan out. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I have no idea. Would it be an offense if I said I don't really give a damn, Mr. Producer? I, I mean, I don't want to see the Kentucky Derby, these other races screwed up. Don't get me wrong, so we'll get to the bottom of this. But what I mean is, do you really want me to spend an hour speculating about this on radio? What, what can I say? What can anybody say? Nothing. Uninformed opinions are not really all that exciting to me. Anyway, I'm going to tell you a little secret, folks. The Internal Revenue Services owes me a crap load of money. A ton of money. You see, the way my beautiful wife and I pay our taxes is we pay it all. We have minimal deductions. And then our great CPAs get a hold of it and say, well, why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do this? Why didn't you deduct that? Why didn't you deduct that? I said, okay, let's deduct it. But nothing weird. And so it's straight up. Straight up. Because I know if they could hang me from a telephone pole, they would. Okay. Now they have a tremendous amount of my money, and I want my money. You know, Joe Biden says he wants $80 billion, Hello! $80 billion to strengthen IRS enforcement. How about $80 billion to pay us our damn money? Now listen to this. You're not going to believe this. This is from Yahoo. What a news service named Yahoo, but Yahoo it is. The Internal Revenue Service is having a tough time processing tax returns this year, potentially delaying refunds for many Americans. Among the many challenges the agency faces, ready for this? Out-of-order printers and copiers. Quote, IRS employees stated that the only reason they could not use many of these devices is because they're out of ink or because the waste cartridge container is full, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration wrote about the copiers and printers in a report released last Friday. The contract for supplies and service of the printers ended in September 2020. Well, it ended in September 2020. Well, why didn't you renew it or get another one? 
69 out of the 164 devices, or 42%, used by the submission processing functions were not usable as of March 30, 2021, the watchdog found. The report also noted that a substantial backlog from last year, a late start to the filing season, and too few staffers are contributing to the agency's slow pace. Why? We all, I mean, most of us file, honestly, in the upper brackets. You're required to file now by computer. It's faster that way, they tell you. Get it in. You know. Okay, here we sit. Here I sit. As of March 5, 2021, the agency issued 36 million tax refunds, down 32% from the same time last year when 52.7 million refunds were processed. And it goes on. I won't bore you with this. They want to massively increase taxes. They want to make the system far more confiscatory and complicated than it already is. They want to put billions, tens of billions, $80 billion into more staff, not to give us our damn refunds, but to chase us down to the end of the earth. Maybe they'll put us in the D.C. correctional system. With 23 hours a day, you're stuck in a room in solitary confinement. Maybe that's what they want to do. But it's ridiculous. In fact, it's grotesque. I want to play something for you. They were probably shocked a little bit over there at my favorite cable network. When I began my program last night, and by the way, I have no monitors. I look down from time to time, not because I'm reading anything. I might write down a word or two, or I might just look down, take my glasses off, because I am uh, I'm nearsighted. So in order to see what's right immediately around me, I have to take my glasses off. In order to see the television lens, what I'm supposed to look into, I have to put my glasses on. That's why they're on and off and on. How about bifocals? I get nauseous with the damn bifocals. But that's beside the point. But here was the opening, which has received an enormous amount of attention. Cut 26, go. I've written a new book called American Marxism. Why did I write this book? I don't write books just to write books. I'm not on TV just to be on TV. I'm not on radio just to be on radio. I don't seek glory and I don't seek fame. I'm an activist at heart. Since I was a young teenager, for me it's about this country, it's about liberty. It's about constitutional conservatism. That's why I'm here every Sunday. That's why I do my radio show every day. That's why I do Levin TV. And that's why I write books. We're in an extraordinarily grave and dire situation right now. Every principle and fundamental of the founding of this nation is under assault. And we are losing today. Whether you look at the border, whether you look in our classrooms, the way our cops are treated, the lack of law and order in so many areas in this country, the use of racism, uh, the use of genderism, we're being attacked in a thousand ways. And so that's why I've written this book, American Marxism. American Marxism, doesn't that sound weird? What does that mean, American Marxism? What it means is very simple. 
these folks like to name themselves liberals, progressives, social activists, democratic socialists. They're embracing the fundamentals of Marxism, not in every respect, but in enough respects. What have they done? Class warfare. All we hear from Joe Biden is the rich don't pay enough and the poor don't get enough. Where does that kind of class argument come from? Does it come from the founders? No. Does it come from any of the great Enlightenment thinkers? No. Where's it come from? It comes from Karl Marx. What about this argument of oppressed and oppressors? My God, when you look at the United States of America, there's so many victims in this country. Whether it's based on race or genitalia or income, now the environment, the list is so long, it's infinite. I can't even name it. Well, where does all this come from? These movements, these ideologies are spawned from Marxism. And many of them have the same purpose, which is to attack the existing society, to attack the constitutional system, to attack the economic system. And they found a home in the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party's gone over to the dark side. And Joe Biden is over there with them. And we are losing our country, one classroom at a time, one neighborhood at a time, one book at a time. And so that's the purpose of my book, American Marxism. And we're going to discuss that down the road in more detail, because I am at bottom an activist. I believe that you can't just sit back and talk about stuff or observe stuff. You've got to do something. And the whole point of American Marxism is to try and galvanize you and the American people who still love this country and rally us to a cause. And I explain the various actions that I think we should take. You know, 12 years or so ago, I wrote a book called Liberty and Tyranny. And it came out almost exactly the same time, coinciding with the rise of the Tea Party movement. Now, together, we made a difference in this country. And that's exactly what I'm hoping we can do right now. Together, you and I can make a difference in this country and take our country back, not based on race, not because we're white supremacists, no, because we're red-blooded Americans, all of us, regardless of our skin color or anything else. And we cannot allow these Marxists and these Marxist wannabes to destroy this country from within. That's what I'm talking about. Now, this four-minute and change monologue resulted in a big spike over at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. A big spike in uh, pre-orders. And you can see how this American Marxism, as I'm calling it, and we must call it, and its various movements have spread everywhere. Here we have a piece in The Blaze by Paul Saka. Disney asks employees to complete white privilege checklist, insists America was founded on systemic racism, according to leaked documents. And Christopher Roof, who is a real, Rufo, excuse me, is a real hero in this regard, I must say. And the Walt Disney Company is the latest megacorporation to push critical race theory. It's got a net worth of $122 billion dollars. It's asking employees to complete a white privilege checklist, a white privilege checklist, and insists America was founded on systemic racism. This is Disney Corporation, according to these leaked documents. And I want to thank the heroes who are leaking these documents, too. 
Now, the company recently introduced a diversity and inclusion program titled Reimagine Tomorrow. And I've told you about this word, reimagine. To most of us, it's a benign word, reimagine, but not to the Marxists. Again, as you learn in American Marxism, reimagine is a term that is used in lieu of destroy, eviscerate, undermine. Reimagine Tomorrow, which is described as an anti-racism discussion guide and an allyship for race consciousness, according to materials published by journalist Christopher Rufo. And the corporate training model for the anti-racist guide asks, what can I do about racism? Disney says America has a long history of systemic racism and transphobia. And the training manual tells employees to recognize your colleagues are also processing the ways which the pandemic is disproportionately affecting the black community. So this is the propaganda that's being pushed throughout America in our schools, in our media, in corporations throughout America, and by the Democrat Party. The guide instructs employees to take ownership of educating themselves about structural anti-black racism by seeking out black authors, journalists, and organizations. But employees should not rely on their black colleagues to educate them because it's emotionally taxing. And Disney claims that America has a long history of systemic racism and transphobia. Of course. This is... Remember I started off the program with Herbert Marcuse? I only gave you a little, little bit of salt on the steak. Because I can't really get into this till the book is available. So the company that rose to fame from a cartoon mouse demands employees to work through feelings of guilt, shame, and defensiveness to understand what is beneath them and what needs to be healed. And the guide commands non-black employees not to question the debate, the, the debate of co- black colleagues' lived, lived experience. So you can't question anything. Avoid conflating the black experience with other communities of color, the training manual says. While other people of color are subject to racism, there's a unique history that's led to anti-black racism and the ways in which that shows up. Disney, as Blaze points out, is one of the largest media conglomerates on the planet. It owns ABC, ESPN, Touchstone Pictures, Marvel, Lucasfilm and Pixar prescribes that employees should reject equality and equal treatment, but instead strive for equity. We've talked about this. We're going to focus on the equality of the outcome, not the equality of the experience, by taking individual needs and skills into account, and I quote. Now, Christopher Rufo says Disney provides a collection of anti-racist resources, including... 75 things white people can do for racial justice. And your kids are not too young to talk about race. And the Black Lives Matter website. White Disney employees are asked to complete a white privilege checklist where people can select privileges such as I am white, I am heterosexual, I am a man, I still identify as the gender I was born in, I've never been raped, I don't rely on public transportation, and I've never been called a terrorist. People are making tens of millions of dollars putting this crap together. Publishing it. Training. Doing seminars. And Disney says employees must pivot from norm of white dominant culture to something different. That's why this book, American Marxism, is important. What do we do about the Disney company? 
or any of these companies. I discussed that at great length in the last chapter. It's not enough for me to come on here and tell you what the blaze says and what this outstanding journalist, Christopher Rufo, has to say. More must be done. More will be done. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, the second guest last night on, on my Fox show, Peter Wood, he's a top scholar, he's president of this National Scholars Association. And he says, this New York Times and the call Hannah Jones don't even get 1619 right. There was a slave ship that was headed for Bermuda. And it was uh, attacked and taken over after it had dropped some slaves off of Bermuda. And uh, the slaves were brought to Jamestown. And they were dropped off there. There had previously been no slaves there. In fact, they didn't believe in slavery. So it was a relative handful of slaves. We don't know how many. They were treated as indentured servants. Not as slaves. What's the difference, you ask? Well, they were released after a period of time. They had to pay for their food. And housing of sorts, you understand. And they were released. There had been slavery in the Americas before. Native Americans enslaving Native Americans. And not just in what we call the United States today, but in all North and South America. And there was slavery after, of course. Nothing started in 1619. Nothing at all. It is a lie from the word go, as he explains in some detail. And there was no mention of 1776 as being a war for slavery anywhere in our history books. Anywhere, anywhere. It's a complete fabrication. Again, this is discussed in American Marxism. It is a very, very important discussion that Peter Wood and other top Pulitzer Prize winning host historians explain. 
but it's the same New York Times pushing the line. If you want to talk to Mark, we have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. I'm taking the show in directions I wasn't playing, but that's okay. That's okay. Peter Wood was the, uh, the scholar I was talking about earlier before the break. I was on the program last night, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I just want you to hear a couple minutes of what he had to say. I thought it was so profound that we're going to move into uh, the swamp, Biden and the rest. So let's start with cut 24. Go. Was the purpose of the revolution in 1776 uh, to enshrine slavery? Because if it was, after all these decades of studying the American Revolution, I must have missed it. How do you respond to that? Well, I respond to it as a... uh something that was just made up pretty much out of thin air. Nicole Hannah-Jones, the uh, lead writer for the 1619 Project, uh, contributed the first substantial essay to the 100-page magazine supplement where the Times launched it. And in it, she made a number of claims that I think just have to be seen as preposterous. One of them is the idea that the American Revolution was fought by the colonists against England because they feared that the English king was going to emancipate American slaves and end the institution of slavery. Now, there just is nothing behind that. We know why the American Revolution was fought. If nothing else, we have this uh, handy document called the Declaration of Independence in which Thomas Jefferson laid out about 20-some reasons why the colonists should rebel. It didn't occur to him that they should rebel because there was a fear that... uh, English were going to end slavery. Why didn't they fear that? Well, they didn't fear it because it was never a prospect. The English had indeed emancipated slaves in England in something called the Somerset decision a few years earlier, but no one believed that the emancipation of slaves was something that was going to be visited on the colonies. Why not? Because the slave trade was a major British enterprise. They were profiting immensely from taking slaves to the Caribbean. The only complaint that North Americans had about the English slave trade was that the English were bringing too many slaves to the New World. But in any case, slavery was not a factor. Let me stop there. And one of the reasons you'll find in your Constitution that there's a date, 1820, in there, which prevents the importation of any more new slaves is because not only Britain but other countries, but Britain in particular, were bringing enormous numbers of African slaves to the United, to to America. So they abolished it for themselves, but they were making a fortune uh, transporting slaves, buying them and transporting them into the Caribbean and other places and to the New World. And so that's one of the reasons you see in the Constitution there is a drop-dead date that says no more. Go ahead. Revolution. To some extent, it could be a factor, but in the opposite direction, in that the abolition movement had already gained fervent adherence in New England and other parts of the, the colonies, so that uh, the, the imposition of British law was now getting in the way of that pursuit of freedom, which was the fundamental purpose of the American Revolution. Freedom of conscience, freedom of political uh, self-identity, 
the, the New World was seeking a way to emancipate itself from England. It was not seeking further ways to enslave uh, or to mistreat people of African origin. And then one more clip uh, with uh, Professor Peter Wood. Go ahead. Uh, you mentioned a moment ago that this is in our schools, and I should add that what happened was that when the New York Times launched the 1619 Project, it partnered with the Pulitzer Center, and the Pulitzer Center on the last page of the New York Times' uh, uh, bombshell release of this report declared that it had already signed up major school districts and teachers around the country. It went on to say that this was going to be turned into a curriculum, a curriculum suitable with variations from every level of school from first grade through high school. And so it has become. It has been heavily marketed to teachers and to school districts. And some, like uh, the Buffalo School District, the Chicago School District, have jumped right in and said, this is how we're now going to tell American history. Now, note that this is not just adding something to the way we teach history. It's meant to replace something. This is not telling the American history as we know it, as the pursuit of independence and liberty and equality. This is telling the history of America entirely through the lens of racial oppression. So the claims are made in this report that American prosperity, every bit of it is founded on uh, the slave trade and the uh, plantation system. Every bit of our prosperity as a nation that has free markets and some form of capitalism derives from plantation slavery. Every bit of the freedom that has been won through emancipation through the civil rights movement was a black-only enterprise. Whites had no part of that. They are simply part of the systemic oppression. Abraham Lincoln is treated as someone whose motive in the Civil War was, was not the emancipation of the slaves, but rather uh, the idea that America should be a place where the whites and blacks should be kept separate, and he entertained the idea of even exiling the ex-slaves to some colony abroad. Nicole Hannah-Jones and her partners in this enterprise are, are telling a story that is factually untrue. Anyone who does real American history knows that, and many of those have come forward to complain that the Times uh, has been manhandling history. Uh, it is a strange thing that a newspaper, of all things, would think that it has the intellectual authority to wipe away American history and replace it with something that's brand new. The, uh, the brand new thing that was create, brand new thing that it was creating is not the product of scholarship or historians. Uh, eight of the 10 major essays in the uh, Times uh, product were the creation of journalists and people who were not historians at all. It proceeds without footnotes, without any recognition of the history that was told before those. And ladies so, and gentlemen, this is typical of critical race theory because it's not scholarship. It's not based on scholarship. One of the things critical race theory emphasizes is that it's about storytelling, everybody's personal experiences, the experience of their parents or their grandparents. It's not based on actual history. And yet it intends to substitute actual history with propaganda. This is what your children are confronting now. This has been going on in colleges and universities. 
This is what's taking place in corporations. From Disney to Coca-Cola and well beyond. This is what's in the executive orders that Joe Biden signed for the federal workforce, for federal contractors, for those who receive federal grants. So you can see how poisonous and cancerous this is. And so what you'll do is you'll get an incredibly broad-based understanding of the history of this movement, of the arguments of this movement, of the professors and their ilk behind this movement, as you will when it comes to the climate change degrowth movement, as you will when it comes to the gender movement and other movements, the immigration, open borders movement. And I said, this is the most important book I've ever written, given our times. It's also the longest book I've ever written. And really, it should have been twice as long. So depending on how well this book does, I intend to have a volume two, which will get into the spending and the economic aspects and so forth. But I felt in terms of an imperative right now, the subjects that I cover in the book were absolutely critical. And so you'll have more than quick three-second hit, three-minute hit, 14 guests, conga lines, thoughtful, substantive, we'll dig in, we'll understand it. It all leads to a crescendo. And the crescendo will be the last chapter. What do we do about all this? What do we do about all this? So thank you, those who have already pre-ordered. And I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, in the final hour, I really want to hit this employment issue and all the money that's being thrown around. The Democrats are now using parts of this trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars slush fund to fund their friends, to fund political extremists. You know, they go into the fake banners of social activism, social justice, and environmental justice, and economic equity. Those people on the left. They're using your tax dollars and they're showering them on these organizations with these uh, targeted funding uh, line items in these bills. Meanwhile, the Republicans are extremely concerned about billions and billions and billions of dollars in fraud in the past and going forward 
with these massive spending programs, you have a situation where in 2014 alone, $6 billion in fraud and false payments were connected to the child tax credit program just for one year. And over a course of many years, billions have gone to illegal immigrants. 2012, the Treasury report, Inspector General said, illegal immigrants had received billions of dollars in tax credits for children who don't live in the United States. None of this is discussed. You got to go to Just the News or the Fox site or Post Millennial, some of these. None of this is seriously discussed outside of our world. They don't care. They just don't care. So I want to get into some of this too as time goes on. I'm anxious to get into this, so I'm going to get into it now. Joe Biden. Hey, look. Hey, look. We've got more jobs that can be filled, more people looking for jobs we don't have. We've got all kinds of weird stuff going on. The price of gasoline up, the price of food up, the price of housing up, lumber, metal, everything up, up, up. My economic plan is working. It's working. And what's his plan? What kind of a plan is it? Spending more money than, the, than, the, than mankind has? That's your plan? Cut one, go. Because of the American Rescue Plan, forecasters are projecting we'll see the fastest economic growth in nearly 40 years in the months to come. We're moving in the right direction. So let's be clear. Our economic plan is working. I never said, and no serious analyst ever suggested, that climbing out of the deep, deep hole our economy was in would be simple, easy. But it has been simple, you simpleton. All you did was ran through, like some kind of a fascist, the kind of deficit spending this nation has never seen, no nation has ever seen. And you're trying to ram through trillions more. That's your economic plan. That, and to take money from people who actually create jobs and give it to people who don't. Now, this is why you were a flunky in college and law school. This is why you had to plagiarize and cheat from other people. Because you're stupid as a rock. And I mean this with all due respect. Go ahead. Or perfectly study. Remember, 22 million Americans... Shut up, you idiot. Uh, Let's see. Um, Let's go to cut three, Mr. Producer. Go. We're going to make it clear that anyone collecting unemployment who is offered a suitable job must take the job or lose their unemployment. But that's not the, the, the rule. That's not the law. You, you removed that law. That was a law that was put in place way back under Reagan. That if you're offered a job and you're on welfare and you don't take it, you lose your welfare benefits. The Democrats have removed that. Now, the law is supposed to be you don't collect unemployment if you're offered a job. But everybody knows they can't track people down based on that. Go ahead. There are a few COVID-19 related exceptions. So the people aren't forced to There's choose. There's not a few. There's a lot. Ask the teachers union. They spike these rules with uh, God knows how many rules. How many exceptions. Go ahead. Safety and a paycheck. But otherwise, that's the law. So how's that working out, everybody? Small business people, especially in the hospitality field. How's that working out? Motels and hotels and restaurants. 
pizzerias, bowling alleys, and on and on and on. You can't compete with the federal government when it comes to throwing money around because the federal government, it's not their money, and they just print it up. So no serious person in a small business or a small enterprise or anybody can compete with the federal government when it comes to spending. Ladies and gentlemen, Biden has no background in business. He has no background in economics. He has a background as a lying SOB who served as long as he could in the U.S. Senate from this tiny little state of Delaware, which I happen to like a lot. That's it. Back and forth on the... I actually believe, this is Mark's theory, that he ran for the Senate and he kept running and he kept winning because he enjoyed the Amtrak ride, like, you know, like the roller coaster ride, Mr. Producer. I think he enjoyed the ride. He wanted the kosher hot dog with a light beer. And so that was his excuse. I'm going to run for the Senate so I can keep taking the Amtrak for free. By the way, Pierre DuPont, former congressman from Delaware and governor of Delaware, who I think would have been a superb president of the United States. He just passed away at the age of 86 yesterday. God bless the family. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. What we're going to do something a little unique. We're going right to Gary, Orange, California, XM Satellite. He can provide us with some interesting information. Gary, how are you, sir? I am fine, Mark. Thank you for taking my call, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. I really do. Thank you. What were you I going to say? My, my experience with Herbert Marcuse was at UCSD down in San Diego my freshman year in college. I took a class on human transformation. That's when I was exposed to critical race theory, one-dimensional man. And it started, it was starting then, and it was unreal. 1960s, 69. 1968-69. He turned that campus upside down. And there were riots and protests. He got Angela Davis in the UC system. I ended up leaving the school because I was paying for my own education and came up to UCI, graduated there. But I was exposed to critical race theory, and right now, in my own church denomination, I'm pushing back on this whole notion of critical race theory because my denomination has bought into it. And it's interesting, the pushback I'm getting there. And uh, this is what I want the folks to understand, and when we're done, they're going to understand, they're going to get my own... You know, my wife said, you ought to teach in one of these schools. I said, what school would have me? Seriously. (laughs) But that's what I try and do here. And we're going to teach a lot about him and others. And, uh, And you're exactly right. I mean, the whole new left movement was his brainchild. 
And that's what you experienced well, in 1969. You're talking about Angela Davis and so forth. And he helped right. hatch this. And, uh, and there are people who've taken the baton from him, and they've run Harvard Law School, Stanford Law School, and these other, these other places. And then, uh, and then they're tenured in these positions because faculty tend to pick faculty they agree with. And so this whole problem spreads across colleges and universities across this country, particularly Ivy League, but beyond. And he's everything I said he is, isn't he? He absolutely is, and more, because in, uh, because I am a Christian. I'm in a Presbyterian, the Presbyterian Church USA, and ordained in that denomination. The push, the, the, I'm pushing back against the whole notion of critical race theory, and, and it, but what he sits there in the first part of his book on one-dimensional man. Mm-hmm. He, he, and that was his most popular book. Go ahead. Yeah, that was, and it's still in my library, mm-hmm. believe it or not. But you know, he, unfortunately, he, I have a copy myself. Okay, go right ahead. Yeah, I, I, I thought about burning it, but I said no. I've kept it, and mm-hmm. and I've been using it. But you know, in the first part of the book, first third of the book, he talks about he deconstructs our whole history, and then he makes a critical statement two thirds into the book, or not a third into the book, where he says, in order for the critical race theory to be valid, it must abstract. And there we go. Mm-hmm. There is where the devil and the details lies. And he redefines everything, even including how we approach sexual relationships. It's just, it's, it, I saw it, I walked away from it because of, of, of how... And now you can't get away from it. Now you can't get away from it. It's in my own church. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it's, and it's very, very very concerning and every american needs to pay attention to what's going on and i really appreciate what you're doing out there and support it 100 percent. i'll buy your book for sure i probably won't read anything what i haven't understood before but nevertheless it's, no, it's not just critical race theory there's more in that book well i'll, I'll be looking forward to you should it. you should look at the degrowth movement which is in the book you should look at well i'm i won't get into all of it but there's a lot of things in there and and my point is, these these are all spawned from the Marx from Marxism, and these various uh, ideological approaches to Americanizing Marxism, which is the whole point of the book, American Marxism. And I want people who are going to go to school board meetings and people who are going to, well, wherever they're going to go, and we'll get into that again. I want them to really be up to speed on this stuff, so um, it is the people that we oppose who are going to look like damn fools. Well, Gary, that's a, that's a wonderful call. I appreciate it. Keep in touch, okay? I will, Mark. Thank you for again for taking my call. All right, brother. Take care. Ellie, Ontario, California, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Eli? I'm sorry, my eyesight's all screwed up. Eli, go right ahead. Hi, Mark. So it's Eli from Canada, not from California. Oh, I'm sorry. So- I called you a few times last time we spoke. I remember you. It was a different shooting. And this time, I have to tell you that there is a few more factors that you probably don't know or maybe you did forgot to to say. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, except the, the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, is the fact that Hamas is used the corona to infiltrate to the Judean Samaria they hate the PLO, and since Abu Mazen just, he knows he's going to lose the elections, he actually postponed it. Mm-hmm. According to a few polls that they have, 
is PLO is about 17% and Hamas is 37 So, obviously, they always use the Al-Aqsa Mosque as a factor. Let's get in. And now, even as we were, as I was waiting to get to talk to you, mm-hmm. there were missiles flying to, in Israel again. Except this time they are flying to, to Jerusalem and mo- most of the country. Well, the Israeli Air Force is going to have to pound the Gaza Strip then. There's no question about that. And your, your point is that Abbas, who's a phony, they, they try to portray him in the Western press as some kind of a moderate vis-a-vis Hamas. He's a terrorist. He's always been a terrorist. But he has to really uh, ratchet up his game, you're saying, because of Hamas. I don't really care why, to be honest with you. It's got to be put down. And it's going to be put down at some point because Netanyahu's the prime minister. I'm very concerned that if they succeed in toppling him, which is, looks like they will, you're going to have people in charge who are of the leftist mindset, even this uh, Naftali Ben who ran to the right of Netanyahu, but it's turned out he's, he's a saboteur, and, uh, and he's very inexperienced, and this is the wrong time for it. And then you listen to the spokes at the Department of State of the United States. He's basically saying, you know, both sides need to do this, and both sides need to do that. No, both sides are not shooting missiles. Israel's not shooting missiles into, the, into, into cities and towns. It's trying to defend itself. All right. Now, Eli, you said your sister lives in Gaza. Is that correct? Is that what that says here? No way. No, no. no. She lives near Gaza. Near she Gaza. Lives, okay. Uh, Jewish kibbutz. Oh, oh, yeah. And she says to me, and she says to me that it's a deja vu all over again. Mm-hmm. I I, ha- I have one more point I want and by, to say. And by the way, for my audience, the New York Times will be taking up the side of the terrorists. It's just a matter of time, as will CNN and Jake Tapper. So that will be happening literally in moments. All right, Eli, one more shot. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, one more thing. I pre-ordered your book, and I'm waiting for your book on Israel. <laughs> well, you're going to be waiting a while since I'm not writing one. Certainly not now. But thank you, Eli. You take care of yourself. Okay. Oh, boy. You know, the thing is, I actually write my books, and also it's a lot of work. James, Brasstown, North Carolina, the great WJRB. Go. Yes, sir. I'd like to say that I really appreciate you and all your books. I've read all of them. Thank you. I appreciate all you do, and it reminds me of what they said during the signing of the Declaration of Independence that we'll hang together because I believe that we are both fighting a war of independence for our country. Mm-hmm. My whole point, and what I told the call screener was, it was a joke against the way that Marxism think, is that I drill wells for a living. Mm-hmm. And if the government would make a deal with me, I'll drill wells for a living for free. If I can go and buy oil, buy gas, buy food for my family. Mm-hmm. But the government has corrupted our whole system, and it is not a capitalist system. It is a crony capitalist system. In many ways. It's become that in many ways. And all that stuff. And we have lost, like you've said so many times, I don't know how many times that you have said, constitutional conservatism. Mm-hmm. That is what keeps us free. That is what makes our nation 
the greatest nation on the face of the earth, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well said. Now, what's happening in your oil fields? You still well, drilling I, I away? Drill water wells. What's that? I drill water wells. Okay. I drill wells for water for individual homes. Mm-hmm. But it, it's getting to the point that you can't get oil, you can't get water, and when it comes to the point that, you know, we can't buy fuel to run our equipment, I'm unemployed. Mm-hmm. But I will not, I will not draw unemployment. I will not draw welfare because I, <clears throat> I'm 29 years old, but I have pride in myself mm-hmm. and I have pride in my country and I will not bleed. I have two children and someday I hope to have grandkids. I will not bleed them dry to feed my mouth. You're 29 years old and you have great wisdom, my friend. And I want to thank you for your call. Let's see. Let us go to Dave. I'm not familiar with this town in Florida. Denia, Florida, is that what it's called? Dave? No, it's uh, Dania. Dania, I'm sorry. Dania, Florida. Okay, I apologize. Yeah, Go right I ahead. My, I was filling in my uh, travel and stuff like that for next year. Mm-hmm. I'm only a few years behind on my taxes, but that's because they keep on doing things that are unconstitutional. Are you a few but years it, behind? You might be a few years behind bars if you keep it up. Nah, I'll I'll come up to speed and then. All right, thanks for your you. call. I can't. <laughs> I cut him off for his own sake. You understand what I mean, Mr. Producer? Just for his own sake. Where is Sebastian from? I'm sorry. Oh, let's go to Gabe. Lakewood, New Jersey, the great WABC. Gabe, how are you? Mark, how are you? All right, thank you. Uh, okay, I uh, I love listening to you. I'm 24 years old. I've been listening to you for... Uh over a year now, and I've learned so much from you, so thank you so much for that. Thank you, Gabe. Okay, um, so my point that I wanted to make is I know that there's a lot of tension right now going on in the Middle East, and I guess my point is is that one of the biggest criticisms against the Trump administration from, you know, before he was even running for president was, you know, hey, his temperament is so bad, and, you know, how is he going to deal with the Middle East, and, you know, we uh, his tweets and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you have Joe Biden in office. The guy's been a bureaucrat for years. You know, they have zero control of what's going on in the Middle East. They have zero control of what's going on, you know, in in China with uh, the Taiwan situation. Let me just slow you down. I don't think any of this would be going on in the Middle East if Trump were president, quite frankly. Because the Palestinians knew that they wouldn't have uh, an appeaser, an apologist on their behalf like they do with Biden. That's what I think. I think... uh, I think Tuck, I think uh, Trump would have told Netanyahu, "Do whatever the hell you need to do to put it down." Absolutely, and uh, I just I just you know find it so funny how like the Democrats always you know everything's politically correct and everything is you know suit and tie kind of thing, and you know Trump goes in there and he was our best foreign policy president at least during my lifetime, and uh, mm-hmm. you know we have this uh, idiot in office now. Absolutely, no question about it. All right, my friend, appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. My friend Joe Pollack over at uh, Breitbart writes me, says, four years of peace under Trump in the Middle East. And now this, violence, terrorism, possible war breaking out, 100 days under Biden. And he's exactly right, ladies and gentlemen. He's exactly right. The terrorists, the communists, the fascists. Now they think their time is to move. And you know what? Listening to the spokes at the State Department today and the other clowns, this National Security Advisor is a really a, 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 a Israel hater. Let me put it that way. This is, of course, uh, provocative. And they know that if Israel wants to strike back and defend itself, it's going to have to be unshackled from the United States. So Israel has to defend itself but look over its shoulder. That wasn't the case under Donald Trump. So the Palestinian terrorists did not conduct themselves this way. China sees exactly the same thing. I guarantee you, and this is a sad guarantee, I guarantee you that if China's going to strike Taiwan, they're going to do it while Biden's president. And while that idiot is the defense secretary. Putin, Putin's thugs are attacking us. There's a cyber war going on against us. Even though Russia's on the decline, they have poured an enormous amount of money into their technology. Russia's not communist China. They've actually developed some technology. Of course, they steal ours too. But they have quite advanced uh, cyber technology, and they've been using it. And they just used it through their surrogates to take out the, the oil pipeline in the uh, eastern part of that affects the eastern part of the United States, 45% of it. Now, luckily, the people who run that pipeline took measures to try and protect it, which ultimately they protected most of it, but that was not a given. So we're effectively at war with Russia, cyber war. Now the, the neoliberals and the Russia files will deny that. 
They'll want you to believe that it's America's fault. They're very much like the hard left. They're a strange group. That it's America's fault. America's running around looking for fights. No, I don't think so. China's a serious danger. Putin's a big problem now. Now you see what's going on in the Middle East. Trump had a fantastic foreign policy. I don't know what the hell's wrong with Liz Cheney. Had a fantastic foreign policy. It was much like Reagan's foreign policy in the sense that he was peace through strength, build up the United States military, and to the extent possible, use your economic power to great effect. And that is what Trump did. And he did it with Russia. He did it with China. And he was crushing Iran. He also did it with the Palestinian terrorists. So what does Biden do? Biden can't give the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran enough money fast enough. Can't lift the sanctions fast enough. He can't give enough money to the Palestinian terrorists and recognition to the Palestinian terrorists. He's not just an appeaser. He's a complete seller. He attacks the Republicans and Trump. He attacks our business people. He attacks our our laborers in the oil patch and on assembly lines and steel mills far worse than he attacks any of our enemies. Biden does. More when I return. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. There's our man. Then we miss him now? I think we miss him a lot. All right. Michelle Obama was on CBS this morning today. She's really a wet blanket, isn't she, Mr. Producer? Let's take a check. Cut 18, go. The goal is to let leaders lead, but in, in certain times people, you know, look to us often, well, what do you think? How do you feel? Um, and we know that while we're all breathing a sigh of relief over the verdict, there's still work to be done. Um, and so we, we can't sort of say, great, that happened, let's move on. I know that people in the black community don't feel that way because they, many of us still live in fear as we go to the grocery store or worry about walking our, our dogs, walking our dogs or allowing our children to get a license. I mean, just imagine. Aren't your girls right driving? Now, they're driving. Yeah. But every you know, they- you know, it's incredible. This is truly incredible, the way they're painting a picture of America. It's really disgusting and outrageous. 
and it's dishonest. You know where I would be afraid to step out if I were her children? The south side of Chicago, Watts, North Philadelphia. I grew up near North Philadelphia. These are the most dangerous areas in the country, and they're particularly dangerous for African Americans. These and other areas are where the great slaughter in America is taking place. Why does she talk like this? Why doesn't she try and contribute to the strength of the country? Why doesn't she actually go out there and do something that is beneficial to the country, like trying to address these really hard issues? Popping on TV and just trashing the country left and right. She's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And for the life of me, I don't know why. Other than being first lady, what the hell did she ever do? She writes an autobiography. Obviously with help, that's how most authors do it, except this one. But nonetheless. And sells millions and millions of copies of an autobiography. I mean, there's a lot of this... uh, This praise and this this uh, this glory mentality and massive ego, but I'm, I'm, what exactly has she contributed to the well-being of this country? That she can say such things. To my knowledge, her kids are very well treated. They're very well protected. So is she. So is her husband. They've gotten more benefits out of this country than 99.9 percent of the people do. Is it just that she feels she has to be down for the revolution? I mean, it really is shocking to me. Go ahead. ...by themselves, I worry about what assumption is being made by somebody who doesn't know everything about them. The fact that they are good students and polite girls... And, but- and you see, she's perpetuating this, this horrible libel against cops, that cops are stopping African-Americans because they're African-Americans and so forth. People may feel that way, but that's not what the statistics show. Go ahead. They're playing their music a little loud. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. sees the back of their head and she, makes She is throwing every stereotype she can. Every, every stereotype she can, she's throwing every stereotype. It's really quite appalling. Go ahead. I, like so many parents of black kids, have to, that the, 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 the innocent act of getting a license mm-hmm. puts fear in our hearts. Um, oh, come on, will ya? Go ahead. So I, th- I think we have to talk about it more, and we have to ask. Oh, we don't talk about it enough, by any means. Michelle Obama's a fraud. I hate to put it that way, but it's true. She's a fraud. She speaks in stereotypes. Uh, she, st- she speaks in platitudes. She, uh, she's the last person on earth who can make these comments. I mean, there's other people who've been in situations. Maybe they can. She didn't have to fight a hard scrap of life to get to where she is. Her father was part of the Chicago political machine. They came up as a middle-class family. 
And she got a job as a result of the machine, ultimately. All this talk is really quite quite destructive, and yet people just love it. They love it. And there, there they are on, uh, on network TV, Gail King, CBS This Morning, pushing it. Pushing it. It's just, uh, it's terrible. And uh, Barack Obama does the same thing. Does the same thing. Do they sound like people who love this country? Do they sound like people who love this country? But they should. You know, it's amazing. There's not another country on the face of the earth. Not another country on the face of the earth where they or other people, white, black, or whatever, can succeed to the extent that they have. Not another country on the face of the earth. Period. Period. Shouldn't they be going out there and saying, look, we're an example of what's possible. We're both college grads. Barack's a law school grad. We work very hard, and so forth. Shouldn't they be giving hope and inspiring people? Don't they ever pinch themselves and say, look, my God, we were president and first lady of the United States. That is a big deal. Whatever race you are, that is a big deal. Look here. Look, look at us. And we got a lot of votes from a lot of people who, who don't share our uh, background and our, our skin color. They should be the ones out there making that case. But race relations began to really sour under Barack and Michelle Obama. That's when it started. It really went south. Because he's an old community activist bomb thrower. Not literally, but bomb thrower. Political bomb thrower. And so was she. And when you start your political career surrounded by domestic terrorists, then that's who you are. Then that's who you are. A lot of people think he's behind much of what's going on in the Biden administration. And you know what? I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. American Marxism is the longest book I've ever written. The retail price is $28. You won't pay the retail. You'll get the discount. But I'm saying the retail price is $28. They wanted the price to be $30. I said, no. The last one was $28. This one will be $28. Because that's what I believe in. And then by the time the discounting is over, it's much less than that. And you know what else is odd? I'm just telling you how this publishing business works. The more pre-orders there are, the the, 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 the greater the discount eventually becomes. And I want to thank all of you. There's a 38% discount now because of you. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm going to say we have 60,000 pre-ordered hard park copies now. And the goal is now 100,000, I told you. Because if we can get 100,000 pre-ordered copies, nobody's going to cancel us. And then they'll know the Army of Patriots has arrived. That's you. That's you. And you're fantastic. You are absolutely fantastic. 
And now I see on Amazon.com, the link was just sent to me, American Marxism is number one. Oprah Winfrey fell to number three. You know what's between us now? Between Oprah Winfrey and your host here, Mr. Producer, you know who? Dr. Seuss. Oh, the places you'll go is now leading Oprah Winfrey and right behind me. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Kirk, Ticonderoga, New York, on the Mark Levin app. Kirk, how are you, sir? Good. How are you, Mr. Levin? Mark, right. and I like to be called Mark. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I've been listening to you. God bless you. I'm going to get that book. Sounds great. Thank you. Um, I got I to gotta say, I'm working in a paper mill over here, and I'm noticing the truck drivers aren't coming in. We're watching gas prices go up. We're seeing some stuff happen, just unbelievable. So I've been blessed with uh, keeping my job here. It's a union job, but I also have my own tile business, so I'm not working with my hands so much. Cause let's aren't. slow down a second. So the trucks are not coming as they as often as they were before. Oh no, our storage piles are down, and uh, actually, uh, the company I'm not gonna not gonna say the name right. has sold to another company, and. Uh, but it's and, a paper mill or a paper manufacturer? Yes, sir. Yep, yep. We got mm-hmm. a couple paper machines that make all. And you see the prices going up? Oh yeah, the uh, the just uh, just a ream of paper has has jumped up several dollars um, in the the department <laughs> stores here, and mm-hmm. and um, you know we're hearing about things like uh, packaging in the other countrywide mills, and uh, that, that stuff just going up phenomenally. And and I hear over the CBs as the guys are coming in, just just complaining about the gas prices and the hurting on their families, and it's just it's well. We had one guy call in and said he was paying five hundred and change, and now he's paying almost a thousand to load to fill up his truck. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what these guys are saying, and I can just hear the hurt in their voice and the confusion. And uh, Ticonderoga, New York. What do you know about it, Mark? I know it's named after an Indian tribe. That's about it. There's what do you have? The Niagara here. Falls there or something? Oh, that's up north near Canada. But this is where uh, this is where a lot of the revolution was fought. Mm-hmm. And uh, George Washington and Ethan Allen, one of my heroes. I'm actually a Vermonter, uh, but I moved over here to to work. And uh, 
there's a lot of Patriots over here, my friend. I, I don't I don't see uh, people doubting what you're saying, and I think uh, there's I think a lot of people who are hurting in this country. It's going to get worse, and not because of the virus. It's man-made. It's the human virus known as Joe Biden and his political party. Kirk, my friend, thank you for all you do. We appreciate it, buddy. God bless you. Joe, Champaign, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Mark? Okay. Great, great. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just wanted to comment on that um, Michelle Obama clip. Mm -hmm. um, And it just made me think, you know, it's just the thing she was saying. It's essentially she's like planting like mental seeds in the black community, like the people who will see that and consume that, that are kind of, uh, you know, left leaning and stuff like the, you know, walking dogs, you know, being hunted, like comments like that is, um, it'll, it'll kind of get into people's, you know, subconscious. And, uh, I think it's just intended to exasperate, exasperate these, uh, you know, manufactured racial tensions. Like I, I just, you know, I don't think this is a racist, racist nation at all. And it's, it's so bizarre that we're living through this. Um, and, you know, one other point I wanted to make about that those clips was her kind of mentioning uh, IDs a couple times. And uh, I have this, like, feeling it's related to, you know, their Jim Crow propaganda. Kind all of right, let me, let, me, let, me, let me comment on the ID thing. Why is it that they want more and more IDs? And yet uh, they condemn more and more IDs. I mean, it's not conservatives who want more and more IDs. We say, just show us your ID so you can vote. But it's Democrats and leftists who want IDs if you've gotten the vaccination or not. IDs for all kinds of stuff. All right, thank you for your call. I don't know that we have enough time to develop it, but Brian, Vienna, Virginia, XM Satellite, go right ahead, sir. How you doing, Mark? Okay. Good. A long time to modulate. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> we have called in before. We've had some very spirited conversations. Good. Um, I was actually, where we disagree on, I mean, well, there's a couple of things that we disagree on. One was the reparations, but we never had a chance. To I want you to pick them. one because we're going to run out of time. Absolutely. So, the one I'm calling in right now is based on Michelle's uh, experience. And I seem like. Well, I don't know are, if it's her experience. She didn't say it was her experience. Okay, well, let me be more specific. My experience, my experience right. with police officers being a conservative uh, young black, actually, I'm not that young anymore. I just lied on myself. Right. But as a being a uh, black man, I could definitely say, being a conservative black man, I have definitely experienced um, impropriety by the police. Like what? And it is real. Like uh, what? Well, I can say that, okay, well, let me give you an example. So when I was growing up. All right, believe it or not. Can we call you back tomorrow, Brian? Sure. Why? Don't hang up. Mr. Call's going to get Brian's number. There's not enough time to develop, and I want Brian to have a shot at this. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all you wonderful people. Let's all go to Amazon and check it out. What do you say? Have a wonderful night. God bless you all. <laughs>